Till Death Do Us Part is a lighthearted and sometimes satirical true crime podcast where we present our dysfunctional married take on serious cases involving other dysfunctional relationships. We hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the 87th episode of Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Daniel. And I'm Melissa. Welcome to another early morning edition. You're sexy in the morning. Till Death Do Us Part. <laughs> Am I? Yeah. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> no, I'm not. As you get older, you're supposed to get more and more efficient, right? So we get up earlier and earlier to try and squeeze more into our day. And then someday we wake up and go, what the hell are we doing all this for? Let's stop. Pretty soon we won't be drinking coffee while we do this. We'll be drinking beverages, like alcoholic beverages. Ooh, early morning alcoholics. No, I just said pretty soon we won't be drinking coffee while we record. We'll be drinking alcoholic beverages. That's what I just said, too. You said morning, like we're morning alcoholics. Oh, like we won't be getting up early to do it. No. Oh, okay. We'll yeah, be yeah, back yeah. to our normal schedule. Yeah, afternoon alcoholics. Yeah, oh, like perfect. after hanging out in the pool and then we come in and do this. Hell yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we wanted to start a new segment, but Instagram deleted all of your answers. What? I am perplexed. And annoyed at myself, I should have taken screenshots of everybody's joy of the week. But some that I did remember were things like birthdays and wedding anniversaries and kids and grandkids coming to visit. And one girl said that they just lifted the mask mandate at the hospital that she works at. So now she can see people's faces and they can see her face and... So I didn't she even was think excited about, about that. that. I didn't think that they still had mask mandates. Yeah. And then one of our 11 listeners, she's been on antidepressants for 17 years and she got off of them and she's thriving. Oh so my gosh. I am so happy for you. And I know what that's like. And to be thriving is just amazing. So congratulations on that. Hell yeah. And there were so many of you that sent in just amazing things that have happened to you in the recent weeks. And um, we just want to keep this going. And there's so much negativity going around right now that to share in each other's happiness and joy will hopefully bring all of us joy. That's so. true. It doesn't take much to get really negative. Right. But it does take a lot to stay positive. Mm-hmm. So but, let's bring that positive into a true crime podcast. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Daniel, you got some factoids for me? Yes, I'm going to read some extremely accurate factoids <laughs> because everything I read off the internet box <laughs> is extremely accurate. Oh, gosh. Okay. This is very self-serving, but it's about marriage. Oh, here we go. Let me get a sip of coffee. Get a sip of coffee. Take some notes. <laughs> take some so notes. So this is a study from Rutgers University, mm. which I Googled it because I don't know where the hell it is. New but Jersey. You knew it was from New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So it's from in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And I guess Rutgers knows everything about everything. Anytime we hear there's a study from a university, we're like, oh, well, this must be factual. So right. 
Here it goes. These are interesting facts about marriage. Um, and it's kind of true, I think. Wives become unhappy if their spouses become ill, but husbands not so much. <laughs> because they probably are trying to kill them. This Rutgers study found that women's contentment in their marriages dropped when their husbands got sick. You know why? Yes. Oh. Okay. No, I don't know why. Why? Because men are such babies when they get sick that it's kind of irritating. Except it's the opposite in our marriage. <laughs> it's, it's possible. <laughs> men's attitudes didn't seem to change when their wives fell ill. And so this one researcher... She said, we know that when a partner is sick, it is the wife that often does the caregiving, which can be a stressful experience. But often when a woman gets sick, it is not her husband she relies on, but her daughter. I don't, I don't know if mm. I agree with that, but okay. All right, here we go. Short men tend to stay married and compensate for the shortness by earning a higher relative share of income. Ooh. You mean short in stature or short in the pants? Short in stat short. <laughs> yeah. I laugh. I make myself laugh. It's okay. all relative though, right? <laughs> if you're only five feet tall, you shouldn't be hung like a horse. <laughs> and if you're seven feet tall, God help her. <laughs> oh. Or him. I don't know. Oh, okay. According to researchers, a bunch of people from New York University. Height has a significant impact on marriage. They found that tall men tend to marry more educated women, older, and women of the same race, but wow. are more likely to divorce. Oh, wow. So the tall guys, I think is they probably feel like they can, they have more opportunities. Because they're tall? Because they're tall. Because society looks down, ha, no pun intended, on the short people. Aww. Among short men, however, the rate of divorce was significantly lower than among average and tall men. Okay. Men of shorter stature were also more likely to marry much younger women. Ooh. And earn more than their spouses. All right. So what does all this mean, right? It means we're headed for divorce. Absolutely. <laughs> Because I am super tall and I don't make any money. Mm. The author stated that the research further confirms an existence of height-based status exchange in which short men compensate for their lower physical status with higher proportional earnings, while tall men appear more likely to use their status to attract women with higher relative earnings. That is fascinating. Yeah. Wow. So tall men go... I don't have to work as hard because I'm tall, so I'm going to find a chick that is already successful. Well, and they don't live as long when you're tall. That's true. Right? Statistically, because, yeah, yeah, you don't live as long because mm -mm. it's harder on your heart. So find that girl that makes just as much money as you or more. Live off of her, little sugar mama. See? All right, it's all making I sense I bet if to you me. think about it, I bet you know people... I do. I'm oh, right off I, the top I of my head. I do. Yeah, absolutely. This is exactly correct. And the short thing makes sense because you're like, hey, you know what? I'm super short, so I got to really make it count. So I'm going to go make a ton of money and then I'm going to go woo a young, hot thing. Yeah. Who needs me, right? Mm hmm. 
and then we'll live happily ever after. There you go. You can spoon into her. Exactly. Yeah. That's, you know, to me, that doesn't sound bad. You want a tall chick for your well, next wife? I just wife? meant if I was, well, they didn't send that. They, it doesn't say that short dudes pick crazy tall basketball star women. Okay. Although if he did and they were like, you know, super successful basketball stars, there you go. I like it. I don't know if I agree with this. So, you know, automatically, just because I don't agree with it, I shouldn't do it, right? <laughs> a big wedding seems to boost the odds of a successful marriage. I know we've discussed no, this before. That I've only ever heard the opposite. The less amount you spend on a wedding, the more likely it is to succeed. This just says a big – okay, now there is there is a caveat to that. Okay. I have read if you have a big family wedding, meaning not you're not spending a ton of money, but a ton of people show up. Mm-hmm. It means that there's a lot of people really invested in your life. Rooting for you. Rooting for you. And I think that's the where this statistic comes from. Okay. Or this research comes from. Not that you could throw a million-dollar wedding and invite a bunch of random people. I think it's more about all your close friends and family. And if that is a giant group, that increases the odds or people are just there for dinner and drinks. If it's a giant backyard wedding, like, you know, you have 200 family and friends and it's in a backyard, that marriage is going to last. Oh, all right. As opposed to, hey, we're going to just throw all this money and borrow it and we actually can't afford the wedding. Yeah, we're that gonna one's going to take a gonna, second out on our house. Right. That wedding's going to fail or that marriage is going <laughs> to fail. Maybe not. <laughs> Okay, 47% of couples that had 150 or more guests had good marriages, compared with only 31% of those who had 50 or fewer guests. Wow, so we're really headed for divorce. Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay, this is our last show. <laughs> All right, here you go. You're going you're gonna to find this fascinating. You may be genetically predisposed to cheat. <gasps> tell me, tell me, tell me. A recent study by researchers at Binghamton... University and the University of New York have revealed that half of us inherited a gene that makes us more likely to have one night stands and to stray if we are in an ostensibly monogamous relationship. What? Those are some big ass words. Which gene is that? I don't know. Blue they jeans? Should, <laughs> they should just call it the cheat gene. A pair of jeans that fit just right. No. <laughs> No. Not those genes? <laughs> no. Okay, here we go. It says, the culprit, a little gene called DRD4. Mm -hmm. I'll just take the word for it. When you carry a variant of that gene, oh my God, we're getting back the into variant. like the variant. Mm -hmm. and, oh my okay. gosh. You carry a variant of that gene, which is a dopamine receptor. You are more likely, according to the certain researcher, to have a history of uncommitted sex, including one-night stands and acts of infidelity. Wow. Close quote. I guess that was a quote. That same gene appears to make us want to hit the bottle and the blackjack table. Dopamine is involved in the brain's pleasure and reward mm. system. In cases of uncommitted sex, the risks may be high, but the rewards are high also. And that can produce a big old dopamine rush. So it's all about the rush, the dopamine. Yep. That feeling of euphoria. Oh my gosh. I know 
I know a few people yes. where this applies to, and so do you, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure mm-hmm. everyone, the three people listening also do. <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> so people that are predisposed to loving to gamble, they are probably easily addicted to things. And you can hear people have sex addictions. They're probably also easily addicted to other things. Yeah. Alcoholism, gambling, drugs, sex, it all kind of goes together. Mm -hmm. So they're saying there's actually an inherited gene in some of us where you're more likely to do this. In other words, it's not your fault. It's not (laughs) my fault. I have a bad gene. It's my gene. This ought to piss you off. Oh, great. The word wife is thought to come from the Proto-Indo-European word wipe. Like wipe your butt? W-E-I-P. Weep? Whip. And that means to turn, twist, or wrap. Or which has a root meaning of shame or pudenda. What? Neither of which sounds particularly promising. The word husband, on the other hand, derives from the old Norse husbundi, or master of the house. <laughs> the word spouse seems to carry less baggage. It has its origins in the Latin word sponsus, which means bridegroom. Uh-huh. Some of you may not be surprised to learn that the term marriage comes from the Latin word mas, meaning male or masculine. The earliest known use of the word in English dates back from circus 13th century. All right. So I I guess their point is that historically wife is like a nag second class, I guess, is their point. And that that the husband is more superior. I guess that's maybe that's what they're saying. I don't know. Maybe that's why women's families had to give the groom they had to pay to get rid of yeah, her yeah a dowry because they're second i got a dowry class. for you so that wasn't bad it was a good gig what did you get a check <laughs> from my dad yeah but it it's bounced like, <laughs> it bounced but i still got one uh, hi dad anyway. all right well thank you yeah that's it Daniel. Yes, sexy wife. <laughs> Are you ready for my case? Do you think people gag every time we say stuff like that? Like, oh, you're so sexy. No, because they know we're being funny. Because they know we're lying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yes, All right. I'm ready for your case then. This is the case of James and Angela Craig. Now, initially, this was going to be an afternoon delight, but they made the arrest warrant public knowledge. Oh, so there was more to it. Yeah, there was more to it. So gotcha. there's a 52-page arrest warrant. So 85% wow. of my information came from that. So just like Viagra, you could expand on it. That's ding, all, ding, ding, awesome. ding. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this yes. is another first name. Last name is also a first name. Oh, yeah. On March 18th, 2023, at 4.29 p.m. in Aurora, Colorado... 43-year-old Angela Craig was pronounced brain dead at University Hospital. She had been admitted to the hospital on March 15th at 11.08 a.m. Angela was complaining of a severe headache, dizziness, nausea and vomiting, 
and had very low blood pressure. Around 2 p.m., Angela suffered a severe seizure and was intubated. She was transferred to the ICU. Angela was placed on life support and never regained brain activity. Medical personnel were dumbfounded. There was no known medical condition that would have caused her rapid decline medically in such a short amount of time. This amazing and generous mother of six was gone. Six? Six. Damn, girl. Her entire family and community within her LDS church were shocked. What the hell happened to Angela? She was healthy. She was happy. She was loved. Okay. Didn't we just do a case? Yes. Involving Mormons? Yes. What the hell's wrong with Utah folk? (laughs) I know you said that was Colorado, but I'm stereotyping everything. You're a stereotyper. Well, I have to. I like boxes. And so I like to put things in boxes. Oh! And so that's my box, right? That's the LDS uh, Mormon box. Right. So this just happened. This just happened. This happened like three weeks ago. Four weeks. Yeah. I don't know what the hell day is today. Within the last month. And I'm not picking on Mormons. It just happened. This just happened. I know. I'm just kidding. I know. I just don't want people to feel like I'm picking on other people's religion because I don't. You got God in there somewhere. (laughs) No, but okay. So she has six kids. They. I'm assuming there's a they involved in this, right? Yes. Because it's Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So what the hell happened to Angela, right? Right. Well, we don't know that anything bad happened to her, right? We could just be reading a story that has nothing to do with what we do this podcast about. That's true. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could be different. Not. Well, maybe the cause of Angela's sudden decline and eventual death would be at the hands of somebody who vowed to love and honor her into the next life. Maybe her husband, James Craig, the man who she had devoted the last 22 years to, held the answer to the question being asked, what killed Angela? Yes, and who? And who? And then we're also all going to be wondering, as I am, (laughs) was he tall or was he short? He was exactly your height and weight. Damn it. And age. This is your right? twin. No, I, I, I've i already... If you were a ginger, this would be your twin. <laughs> Stop. Is he really a ginger? <laughs> he is. Our, our poor gingers oh out gosh. there, our poor ginger listeners feel like I pick on him all the time. You know, ginger is actually really good for you. It is. So... Keeps um, you healthy. Yeah. Just in this case, probably not. Okay. Well, let me get into this case, sir. Since this is such a new case, there is not a ton of information out there. There really isn't, especially about the Craig marriage. But I dug and found some interesting information because not a lot of people are talking. And that's okay. That's everyone's right. You don't have to talk. No, because we text. Okay. Jim and Angela were married on December 18th, 1999 in Kansas. They had six children. The family had resided in Aurora, Colorado for the past 15 years. Jim was a dentist. There it is. And had been practicing dentistry in the area since 2006. I'm going to call him Jim because that's how he's referred to from friends and family is Jim. Sure. He was the owner of Summerbrook Dental 
and Angela was a stay-at-home mom. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> In one of Angela's Facebook posts, she wrote, I finally got those pictures hung. To his credit, he totally understands and jumps right in to help every time. And that's what makes him smoking hot. She oh. was talking about Jim. Oh, damn. Jimbo. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. In Jim's profile, he refers to himself as a husband, father, dentist, theme park junkie, opera lover, football fan, cook, fisherman, and snowboarder. Oh, my gosh. It's like my twin. <laughs> He's the perfect specimen. He's exactly like me. <laughs> uh, except for not. Except for half of those, I think. I feel like at this point, I just really want to read Angela's obituary. All right, do it. I think it gives a lot of insight into what an amazing woman she really was and why this is such a devastation to everyone who knew her. Besides her unbounded sense of humor and quick wit, Ange was intelligent and energetic and used her gifts to elevate those around her, especially her children. She had a large capacity to forgive, was willing to help both friends and strangers, and she was fiercely dedicated to her family. After her children, Angela's faith in Jesus Christ is her most important treasure. Her life is a reflection of the love she gave to being a wife and mother, a neighbor, a sister, a daughter, and a friend. She served faithfully and well as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, filling various positions including choir director, teacher, and youth organization leader. However, she most loved working as a family history consultant. She worked on her own family's history with a powerful dedication, but she also helped friends complete theirs. No doubt she has many friends and family members on the other side of the veil because of the work she has done in this life for them. Ange loved animals, though she was allergic to almost all of them. Food truck food, mystery television shows, and really anything that could make her laugh. She loved being outside, and though she would tell you that she didn't like to socialize all that much, she was great at talking to people. She read widely, worked on woodworking and other creative projects, and was a passionate student of interior design. Her son says that his mom loved a lot of things, but she didn't have time for them all. She had six children instead. Angela's most endearing trait was showing up to everything, family and friends, weddings, funerals, graduations, baptisms, birthday celebrations, reunions, service projects, holiday celebrations. She made sure to always be where she was needed, which is what she is still doing now and is now and will be forever missed. Dang. I know. Poor thing. Not sad. She's like the most. I mean, that's wonderful. What a wonderful person she was. She's like the most amazing person on earth. She really was. Dang. I know. That's why this is going to be horrific. How so. do you follow that? I can't. See, I can't either. No. Well, I'm going to try. All right. So here you go. But all was not so peachy in the Craig marriage. It was actually pretty rotten. Not Her even fuzzy peachy. According to Angela's sister, she had talked about leaving Craig multiple times over the years, but chose to stay and fight for her marriage. And as it turns out, in December of 2022, Jim had asked Angela for a divorce. But in reading their text exchanges during Angela's illness, they must have been trying to work it out. Possibly. 
So okay. she was frustrated with him. Mm-hmm. And then he ultimately was the one who wanted a divorce? Towards the end. Towards the end. Yes. Mm-hmm. But they had six kids. They had six kids. And they all ranged from adults to the youngest was in early elementary. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Okay, so I have a question. Yes. <sighs> if your marriage blows, even though on the outside everything's perfect, but behind closed doors, the music on, TV's on, your clothes are off, you hate each other, why do you make more kids? Um, What's the point? Well, I think at the times they were making these kids, maybe they didn't hate each other. Maybe they were working but, on their marriage and that was part of it. But the spread is adult to young child. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Right. Now, I talked about their text exchanges, and so I'm going to read those in just a second. Oh, good. Okay. Now, it all began on March 6th, the day after Angela had returned from a five-day trip to Utah to visit family. In the arrest warrant, her sister told investigators that Angela was absolutely fine during the visit. She was not ill at all. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to read you these text exchanges and see what you think. Okay. Okay? This is all about your reaction to these because I kind of know what you're going to do. Oh, my God. There's so much pressure on me right now. I know. All right. So these text messages begin on March 6th at 7 a.m. Okay, so this is from Jim. Thank you so much for making my drink this morning. I just love you. I hope you have a great day, and I'm so glad you're back in town. She answers, you're welcome, baby. I love you, too. I think my body is not liking the caffeine this morning, either. My stomach feels fine, but my head feels funny and dizzy. Very strange. He replies, it's been a week since caffeine for you. Maybe your body is saying no thank you. I did a full scoop of caffeine and a full big scoop of the B vitamins. Is that how much you normally take? I'm super shaky, he says. Oh no, I do a small scoop of the B vitamin mix. It feels really weird. Oops, sorry baby. What? Does that sound like people who are headed for a divorce? Um, I don't know what it sounds like. It sounds weird. Okay, well, maybe the, it's my voice. <laughs> who the hell puts, like, scoops of crap in their coffee? No, it's it was protein shake. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, missed, I missed that. No, I didn't say. No, this is a, a protein shake. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A scoop of caffeine? Yeah. Oh, damn. And then B vitamins. No wonder people are skinny. I know. Maybe we should do that. I'm just shaking, sweating, like... Well, then Angela says, that's okay. It'll wear off. I am dizzy and my eyes don't want to focus, but I can get the stuff done that I need to this morning. Kind of sounds like she has perimenopause. Just saying. Uh, Yeah, maybe. He says, maybe you should lie down. I'm laying on my face on the mat in my room. He says, you have a bed, you know. I am stinky. Just seems excessive for a little extra supplement. I'm stinky. She says I'm stinky because she worked out. And gotcha. So she worked out and now she's feeling weird yeah. and off. Yes. That's why I don't exercise anymore. No. And she says, I don't feel right in my head. Jim offers to come home. Okay. And she says, no, this is just weird. I'm dizzy in my head and my eyes are working slowly and my body is responding slowly. And he says, that sounds really wrong. 
And then he says, I'm going to come home. I don't like this. She answers, you can't. You need to work. See? Well, he sounds like a decent guy to me. Right. He wants to take care of her. Yeah. He doesn't know what's wrong with her. And then she says, it feels more like I feel when I take heavy meds and everything. What? Everything adjusts and moves slowly, like I'm moving in thick gel. My eyes are struggling to stay focused. That does not sound good. And it doesn't sound like a scoop of caffeine. No. And then he asks her if she took her blood pressure. And she says, I don't know where one is. So. Mm. And then he says, okay, if you want me to come home, I'll come home. He asks if she's eaten anything. And she says, I had my protein shake and magnesium makes me weird. This is not hungry. And he says, are you nauseous? She says, no, I feel drugged. Maybe she's pregnant again. Right. And then he answers, given our history, I know that must be triggering. Oh, just for the record, I didn't drug you. I am super worried, though. You really looked pale before I left, like in your lips even. What the hell? Mm -hmm. That's weird. And he says, I was plugging your symptoms into Google. (laughs) Oh, of course, because that always (laughs) results in the best. And stroke matches some of what you're describing. What? Stroke? Stroke. And she says, it feels like my whole body is tingly and my eyes are struggling to focus. Okay, so it's really... Her eyes and her head, not so much her body. I mean, it's tingling, but it's really focused on her head area. Hmm. And he asks her if she's laying down, and she says, I got in my bed. And she's, now she says, my whole body feels so heavy. I think yeah. at this point, a 911 call would be reasonable. Now he answers her, something's really wrong. I'm coming home with a blood pressure cuff. If nothing else, I can at least help you get the girls to stay on track while you rest. I think they homeschooled, is what I gather. I was going to ask, so where are their 12 children? (laughs) So some are older, some are younger. And, you know, that's kind of nice with older and younger siblings, as the older siblings can help out the little siblings. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's why you have that many children. About 6 o'clock, Jim texts her and says, I'm all done and headed home. How are you feeling? So she's been home dealing with this all by herself. She says, same. After he got home from work, after Jim got home from work, Angela went to the hospital. She went to Parker Adventist Hospital, complaining of dizziness and an overall weakness in her body. Unable to find anything wrong with her, she was released and sent home the same night. Okay, well, that was very anticlimactic. Yes. You're not supposed to tell me that. You got me all worked <laughs> up and excited, and I'm like, oh, if they could All right, but I got just, more texts for you. If they could just get to the hospital, all right. I got a lot of texts to get through. <laughs> okay, sorry. Hurry up. <laughs> okay, March 7th, about 6.30 a.m. She says, you don't have to miss work today. We don't have anywhere to go today, and the girls and I will be fine. I'm starting to think I'm just sick, and this is part of it. And then he says, okay, you're fine. It did help us rule out a lot of scarier things, so I'm glad we did it. She was kind of complaining about going to the ER, that it was kind of pointless. And he's saying, well, we ruled out some things, so it's good to go. And she said, I'm kind of wondering if maybe I had a sinus infection and I didn't notice it because I get so used to them and it turned into an inner ear infection. That's kind of what I would have thought. She gets sinus infections? She gets sinus infections and then those can turn into inner ear stuff. And then you've had an inner ear problem before and you got dizzy. Yeah. And he said, so how do you you feel compared to yesterday? And she said, the same. Oh, that's not bueno. 
She says, I'm not sure what you were expecting. I don't think this is a sleep thing. And he says, I don't know either. I was hoping that maybe the worst of it is behind us and you were going to start feeling better over time. They text a lot. They do. Good Lord. They do text a lot. And then she says, I don't want to tell you, but I feel like you would be upset if I don't. But I may have passed out a little this morning while standing in the kitchen. I just remember holding on to the island because I was dizzy. And then one of the daughters was in her face saying, Mommy. And he says, Um, thank you for telling me, but that would have been a good moment to call 911. So he's encouraging her to go to the hospital. Right? Yes. And she said, it's weird because my eyes seem to be focusing better today. All right. So that's good. All right. I woke up with a headache and spots in my eyes. Ooh. Spots are away, but the headache is still there. And he says, sorry, baby. That sounds awful. What a nice husband. Isn't Instead of though? trying to fix it, he's just I listening know. to her. I know. Listening to her problems instead of trying to fix the fact that she's something <laughs> seriously wrong with her. Yeah. Don't you, at that point, wouldn't you want someone to f help fix the problem, not just listen to your problem? I mean, if you're really like something's wrong. Right. So later that day, he texts her, I love you. It was so nice hanging out with you and just watching a show and snuggling. I'm sorry that you still aren't feeling well and that you feel like I'm disappointed about that. I'm not disappointed at all. Just feeling empathy for how hard this must be for you. Hopefully things can improve and get better. I am also so grateful that the last couple of days have allowed me to have more flexibility in my schedule. God really knows what he's doing. She says, I'm having a hard time feeling okay being sick and even harder time knowing whether that's me or you. I could tell you were worried yesterday, but I guess I just think they sent us home and said nothing was wrong, and you think I should be fine. I realize I could be reliving the past. It's just hard. And frankly, all of this is really scary, and I don't feel like we've addressed that at all. But I don't even remember most of yesterday, so maybe we did address it. I'm a crazy person. That's bizarre. Don't I you think? I know. It's bizarre texts. Yes. Texts. There's a lot behind these texts. Obviously. There's 22 years of stuff behind oh. these texts. Oh, boy. So now we're on to March 8th. Do they ever just talk to each other or they just text? Sounds like they just text. It sounds like they just text. Because I don't know what else there would be left to say mm -mm. in person after all this text. So he texts her and says, are you up? So he must go into work really, really early. And he just says, I'm nervous about it just being you and the littles today. And she says she's drinking her drink and sitting on the couch with her ice pack, but she has no blurred vision or dizziness or anything, mostly just the headache. I guess that's an improvement over the last few days. Then she says, how are you today? And he says, so, so busy. I'm planning to come home and eat lunch with you today. And she says, I'm glad I get to see you. Okay. And that her head is feeling better, but it still hurts. I probably just need a shower and some sleep and maybe some food. How many more texts like this are there? Because I'm already bored. Are you? Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know what the point of all this is. I'm trying to summarize all of these for you guys, but I want to give you some background on the evidence. This is all part of the evidence, and it kind of shows a little bit about their marriage. So that's why I need to read these. Gotcha. Okay, I'm sorry. I know it's a lot. Just stay with me. I promise. 
So a lot of these texts are Jim checking on her. And there's a lot of like, I love you, baby. I'm so sorry you don't feel good. And she's being very reactive to that. And I love you too. And I'm sorry I fell asleep and didn't get your text and things like that. So they rarely see each other is what I'm gathering. I think he works a lot. Yeah. Yeah. On March 9th, three days after she started feeling ill, at 3.32 p.m., Angela was back at the hospital and was actually admitted this time. She got really cold, super tired, weak, shaky, and dizzy, and it was like time for them to go because she kept falling asleep. So she was sick. Yeah. She was really, really sick. After she's admitted in the hospital, he texts her, man, baby, you've got to stop scaring me like this. I love you so much, and I'm not used to all of this excitement. And she says, I promise you cardio, which I think means sexy time. Wait, she's in the hospital, and she feels like she has to reassure him that that they're going to have adult aerobics? Yes. That's weird. That's what I gathered from that. He's not there with her? No, not yet. Mm -mm. Uh, Okay. I mean, I know he's a so dentist now, and all, but... You right. Know, you know, well, he's a doctor. Okay. <laughs> I mean, is he a single-only proprietor dentist? I mean, he must no. have assistants and... He does. He has a partner and assistants and oh. office managers. Yeah. Well, then he can pop out for a minute, right? Yeah, if he could get somebody to cover him. Well, it doesn't matter. She's dying in the hospital. So what she is also telling him is that nobody knows what's going on with her. Okay. She just does not feel good. So now we're on to Friday, March 10th. She's still in the hospital. And they're just talking about regular everyday things like who's going to bring dinner, who's watching the kids. Sure. All that kind of stuff. Like but, it's a normal everyday thing that right. you're in the hospital. Right. Sure. Okay. And she keeps telling him that her head hurts. Like that's the biggest problem that she's having is this headache that won't go away and her blood pressure is really low. That's got to be annoying. Every test they've run on her is negative. Everything. And the ultrasound they did on her heart, everything is fine. Okay. But she does seem to be getting a little bit better by that evening. On Saturday, March 11th, Jim texts her at 12.32 a.m. And he says, I just woke up dreaming about making love to you. I love you and I want you. Um, she's still in the hospital. She's still in the hospital. He's at home. Mm-hmm. Why isn't he there with her? Well, he's sleeping and the kids are there. Okay. Yeah. I but, right. I mean, he had a sexy time dream about right. her. Yeah. So... Guess that's what good husbands do, right? They text their wives. That they want to yeah. nail her while 12, she's in the hospital. 12.30 in the morning. I don't think yeah. I've ever texted you that. 12.30 <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So they just keep running tests, you guys, and this poor thing. She's just nauseous and a headache and she's tired and just and feeling miserable. Nothing. They can't find anything wrong with her. They can't find anything wrong with her. Man, that's annoying. Yeah. So what's wrong with her? We're all dying to know. What did the ginger man do to her? I'm already suspicious because he is a dentist. So he has access to lots of things. But I'm probably getting ahead of myself. Saturday, which is March 11th, Angela was put on oxygen full time. Okay, but then there is something wrong with her. There they is something. They can't say they can't find anything wrong with her if they're putting her on oxygen. Right. 
That doesn't make any sense to me. And she's just not feeling better. We're even getting into Sunday and she's not feeling better. She wants to go home, which I totally get. And then he says, you know, he's always like, morning, baby, you up? What? They're just always using these pet names for each other. So, and she's trying to eat. She's doing like cream of wheat and stuff and soup. And she's trying to eat. And he's coming to visit her during the day. And she's just not feeling better. Did they test her for COVID? Of course they did. And it wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then I don't know what else it could be if it's not COVID. Anything she eats, she throws it up, even a popsicle. Like she has a popsicle and he says, that sounds exciting. And she says, I don't feel good. Because all he's thinking is penis. Probably. Probably. Sure. Okay. So now we're on to Monday, March 13th. Damn. So he says that he woke up thinking about her again and he just loves her so much. It's still 8.30 a.m. and she's saying, my head hurts really bad and I'm not allowed to sleep without oxygen. So she cannot, this headache, I can't even imagine how how much she's in pain. Okay. She said her BP was lower this morning. Her heart rate was 106. Oh. And the cardiologist told her that she's a puzzle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she has somewhat, I mean, it's not elevated, but if for someone who hasn't eaten and you're in the hospital, that's actually kind of high heart rate. That would be what you would be doing if you're just out and about wandering around, walking, you know. So they couldn't find anything wrong with her. She seemed to be getting better. I'm assuming she's like a a little skinny, cute thing too, right? She is. She was very athletic. Yeah, She really took care of herself. She's a healthy person. She's a healthy person. So for her to be this sick was not normal at all. So by Tuesday... The 14th, Angela was released, but the medical staff was unable to determine the cause of her illness. Okay. She's home, but she's still sick. Wednesday, the 15th, she's not better. Okay. Uh. By 11 a.m., Angela was headed back to the hospital, and she never texted Jim again. Oh, damn. Now, Jim was not only in constant contact with Angela during her stay in the hospital, but with friends, family, and church members as well. Now, one friend in particular who was a professor and has a PhD in nursing, he was texting constantly. Okay. Um, Back and forth, they were texting. Instead of reading that text exchange, which is also an evidence, I'm going to kind of generalize it for you. Okay. This text exchange starts on the 9th. When Angela was admitted into the hospital, Jim was giving this friend updates regularly. Angela had very low blood pressure and was vomiting up anything and everything she tried to eat. All her blood panels came back okay. Angela was negative for any autoimmune disorders and diabetes. Angela's face was puffy and swollen at one point. Oh. Her kidneys were working fine and there was no glucose in her urine. Her blood sugar level on the 9th was 145, which is high. But her blood sugar on the 6th, so three days before that, when she first got sick, was 195, which is extremely high. Okay. It was down in three days, but there was something going on. Yeah. Angela's reactive protein was really high at 20 And the high end of normal is 2.99. 
Oh, gosh. Which okay. told doctors right. that there was an inflammation happening somewhere within her body. Okay. The doctor's main concern was her low blood pressure. Okay, so the woman that Jim was texting with, yeah. who was the ner- who was the PhD in nursing, uh-huh. was also married to Jim's new business partner at the dental office. Oh, okay. So Jim right. had sold him part of the dental practice back in August of 2022. But Jim and this partner had known each other for 20 years and had even gone to dental school together. So everything's very kind of combined. Gotcha. Very incestuous. Sure. All right. So here's the deal. I know all of these people's names, all of them. It's pretty easy to dig and figure out all of these witness names, but I'm not going to share them. And they've all been redacted in the arrest warrant. Okay. I don't like to share a lot of names in the cases that I do just because I don't want to shove people into the spotlight. Sure. They never asked for this. Right. And talking to investigators about the loss of your sister or your dear friend has to be soul crushing, right? Oh, gosh. So yeah. that's that's the last thing I should do is kind of throw their name out there. And um, I do respect law enforcement enough to not go against what they've redacted in the arrest warrant. That's fair. When Angela took a turn for the worse on the 15th, Jim texted his business partner and friend telling him that Angela's condition was grave. The partner and his wife jumped in their cars and headed toward the hospital to be with their friends. On the way there, the partner received a phone call from one of their office managers. So he and Jim's office manager. She said that on the night of March 6th, the first day Angela was sick, she was working late at the dental office. James came in after hours, and she saw him in exam room 9 with the lights off and doing something on the computer that was designated for that particular room. She thought this was odd since Jim had his own office and laptop that he would take back and forth from his home. Gotcha. About 30 minutes after Jim left the dental office for the night, he texted the office manager telling her that a personal package would be arriving within the next few days, and she was told not to open it. This package did arrive for Jim at the office on the 13th, and another employee had opened the package. The manager looked inside the box, forgetting that Jim had told her he was getting a personal package the week before. Inside, she saw a biohazard sticker and a circular metal canister and a packing receipt that had the words potassium cyanide written across. Oh, damn. She realized quickly that the package was for Jim, and she sealed it back up and gave it to him. She later Googled what potassium cyanide was used for and saw that if ingested, a person would experience the same debilitating symptoms that Angela was experiencing. There it is. When Angela went back into the hospital on the 15th, she told the business partner her suspicions. After arriving at the hospital, while Jim was distracted, the partner told one of Angela's nurses that he believed Angela had been poisoned by her husband with potassium cyanide. Wait, okay. So here's here's my question. Okay. There's no way that would show up in a blood test? They don't test for it? Not unless you're looking for it. But Not unless you you're looking for heavy metals. Weird 
poisoning, possibly. But this situation. doesn't happen normally. Remember our friend that works at the ER? We've done a couple other poisoning yeah, episodes. That's true. And he says that that's not something that you just automatically go towards. You don't test for heavy metals. Right. Unless somebody says she might be poisoned. Gotcha. The nurse, being a mandated reporter, called the authorities. The major crime homicide unit was contacted and began investigating the claim. In the arrest warrant, after his business partner had left, he had received a call from Jim's personal cell phone. James told him that he had heard some disturbing information and then asked if he had said anything to the hospital staff. His friend admitted that he talked to the hospital staff about this incident and said that he was aware of the package that James had ordered. James replied that the package was a ring for Angela and that he wanted to surprise her. The partner told James that he knew it was not a ring. James claimed the package was never opened so that the office manager wouldn't know what was in the package. Right. And then his friend said that the package was definitely opened and it did not contain a ring. So they're kind of arguing back and forth. Right, right. The partner asked James why he would buy potassium cyanide. James eventually recanted and admitted the package contained potassium cyanide, but claimed that Angela asked him to order it. (laughs) James claimed that Angela couldn't order the potassium cyanide because she didn't have the proper credentials. James then told his business partner that he ordered the potassium cyanide, but he didn't think that Angela would use it. What would she want potassium cyanide for? Yeah. James described their situation, Angela and his situation, as being similar to the game of chicken. At that point, his business partner told him to stop talking and get a lawyer. Yeah. So he's alluding to Angela wanting to commit suicide by taking potassium cyanide. I know. Zero, Zero people take it to commit suicide. And it's an industrial, highly toxic, essentially cleaning chemical is what I've read. I know at work with it because it's you have to be really careful. Mm -hmm. I read some cases. They were actually industrial safety incidents that led to a rewriting of OSHA, Mm -hmm. Occupational Safety and Health, you know. Mm -hmm. So when you hear OSHA's coming to your business to check up on things, anyway, because there were some major industrial accidents where people were poisoned by cyanide and so on and so forth. And and really, once you get it, you're done. Mm. Unless you can get immediate help, but it starts just breaking your whole system down. Oh, yeah, it's awful. But they use it in industrial applications for, like, processing things. So, Well, the next morning, this business partner received a text from Jim. Oh, good. All right, so I'm going to read it as fast as I can. Okay. Good morning. Thank you for taking my patient load today. I want to make an urgent plea to you. If we were ever friends, please do this favor for me. Please don't talk to anyone about what we talked about last night, including any law enforcement officers. You are under no obligation to answer their questions unless you are served a subpoena and you will do more damage than good to my family by continuing to insert yourself into this. Angela is gone and I am devastated. 
There is nothing that can bring her back, and I want desperately to tell all of the details so that you can better understand what's gone on behind the scenes with her. There is so, so much that you do not know, and I wish you did. If you knew everything, this would make so much more sense to you, but there is no use in telling you right now. Then he goes on to say that, you know, everyone talks behind his back, um, that this is kind of a pattern, and that Angela is basically gone. And so, you know, why is he doing this to his family? And he says, I understand why you did what you did, meaning talking to the nurse. I get it. But if you had come to me personally, man to man, instead of talking to everyone else about what you thought you knew, I might have let you in on some details that would have made you less likely to cause this horrible storm. Storm? Mm-hmm. She's dying in the hospital. Yeah. And so I'm asking if there was ever any love in your heart for me, please don't make this any worse by talking to any officers or anyone else about this unless you are legally forced to and whoever else on the team you think is going to be questioned, I would ask that you privately ask them to honor this request too. Also, please do not respond to this text message until I text you again. Uh, well, there's a red flag. Yeah. On the 16th, the homicide investigators were contacted by a Child Protective Services caseworker. She said that she had interviewed Jim and the children individually after the nurse had contacted authorities. Jim made some concerning statements about Angela's mental health to the caseworker. He alleged that Angela was suicidal and had been for some time, that he had needed to physically revive her numerous times over the last few months. He had asked Angela for a divorce, and since that time... Her depression and suicidal ideations have increased. Jim never reported any of these incidents, nor did he seek medical attention after reviving her. He also never sought professional counseling or therapy for Angela's depression or suicidal thoughts. Yeah, he's lying. Jim believed that Angela was intentionally overdosing on opioids and other unknown substances. He told the caseworker that he was sure Angela's toxicology report would come back positive for substances. Only he didn't know what kind. The strange part about the interviews with the children were that none of them mentioned Angela's depression nor her alleged suicide attempts. Huh. The caseworker said that it was her opinion that Jim was attempting to build a cover story for what really happened to Angela. Um, yeah. That's a smart person Obviously. right there. Jim's partner told the officers that he had only gone into business with Jim less than seven months before, but had known Jim personally for over 20 years. He also told the investigators that the dental practice had been struggling financially and that Jim had filed for bankruptcy in 2021 and was on the verge of bankruptcy again. What? Jim was described as a risk taker, and in January of 2023, he had confided to the business partner that he and Angela were having marital problems. Now, the office manager told investigators exactly what she had told the business partner about seeing Jim in the dental office, in the back exam room, with the lights off and the computer on, on the 6th of March. And that she knew that the morning of the 6th, Jim had made Angela a protein shake before their workout. And that he gave Angela extra protein because she was feeling sluggish. Now, how she knew that, I couldn't find. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. odd information, but okay. But that after the workout, Angela became faint and dizzy. She also told investigators that Jim would make unusual comments while Angela was in the hospital. Things like, I don't think Angela is going to make it. She described the package that came to the dental office on the 13th. 
It contained a metal cylinder with a biohazard or warning sticker and the packing slip that read potassium cyanide. In the six months of working at Summerbrook Dental, she had never seen a cylinder canister or potassium cyanide delivered to the dental office. It was very unusual, and she hadn't seen the package since she gave it to Jim. When she heard that Angela was back in the hospital on the 15th, she called her manager, who was also suspicious of Jim. She then called the business partner. This office manager then said that she knew that Jim and Angela were having marital problems because Jim had mentioned to her recently that he had asked Angela for a divorce and that Jim would regularly leave at lunchtime because he and Angela would be in a fight. Wow. So. Jim liked to share the inner workings of his marriage. It Fun. Like. Mm-hmm. Now, that same day, the 16th, the search warrants, search warrants were issued, one for the Craig's home and one for the dental office and one for Jim's cell phone, Angela's cell phone, and Jim's laptop, which was at his dental office. The items collected from the residents were multiple types of powder proteins, multiple workout-style shakers used to consume protein drinks or shakes, a computer tablet, Two different Ziploc bags with white powdery substances in them, and neither were labeled. And there was a water bottle on the exercise bike located in the main bedroom area. At 11.45 a.m., Summerbrook Dental was searched. Exam room 9 was located at the far end of the dead-end hallway. The hard drive was located and seized. Jim's laptop, located in his office, was taken, A handheld vacuum was found in the office with a white powdery substance inside, and a portion of that substance was collected. Jim and Angela's cell phones were seized, and that's how they were able to get the text messages between the couple from the 6th through the 15th. Gotcha. On March 17th, the history from the hard drive in the dental exam room number nine was examined. Now, this is crazy, okay? Okay. Jim's known email... The email he gave the investigators was dinosaurjim at me.com. But there was another email found, jimandwaffles at gmail.com, that had been created on February 27th, 2023. Beginning on exactly February 27th, the owner of that email had conducted searches related to poisons, such as how many grams of pure arsenic will kill a human? Is arsenic detectable in autopsy? Oh, my gosh. Jim had also searched. They're assuming that this is Jim, right? Right. Okay. So Jim and waffles. I mean, come on. Yeah. Jim had searched for chemical suppliers in Aurora, Colorado. He had ordered arsenic metal 99.9999% crystalline metalloid 10 grams for element collection at the whopping price of $13 on Amazon. You can order arsenic for $13? Yes. What? Mm -hmm. All right. In the description of the item that he purchased, the information stated that arsenic is often believed to be used for murder, as it has been in many crime novels. The second portion of the informative description stated that the real danger is in swallowing it, which could very well prove fatal. Yet they still sell it on Amazon. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Uh, Okay, YouTube searches for top five undetectable poisons that show no signs of foul play. How to make poison. The top 10 deadliest plants. They can kill you. Jim then searched for by oleander. 
Through Nerdfighteria Wiki, he looked up six deadly undetectable poisons and how to detect them. It described multiple poisons and a video titled Perfect Poison. It described arsenic and cyanide. Cyanide symptoms include weakness, nausea, difficulty breathing, seizures, and cardiac arrest, and is very hard to detect. It is usually too late by the time doctors can diagnose. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Going through the actual email, they found an order made on March 9th from Midland Scientific, which was Sigma 207810-25G, which was purchased. Okay. After researching Sigma, it was discovered that that is the technical term for potassium cyanide. But you can't just buy it. Okay. You can't just buy it. So Jim was contacted by an employee there for further follow-up. The company needed a usage statement for what the product was needed for. James said he was a surgeon performing a craniofacial reconstruction. He was using the chemical to check and see if it will help with the layering of alternate metals. If successful, this will be published as a paper in the National Institutes of Health. And they bought it. So delivery was scheduled for the 10th of March. So they Um, believed him. Okay. But the potassium cyanide was delayed and did not arrive at the office until the 13th. But the office manager saw Jim in exam room nine on the night of the 6th. And she was sick on like the 7th. She started getting sick on the 6th. 6th. Yes. Which means the initial sick was not caused by potassium cyanide. Okay. But there was another purchase made on the 6th to ADUQ Bioscience. I think that's how you say it. He had ordered three oleandrin one milligram items at $330. Oleandrin is a poisonous substance found in the leaves of the oleander plant. Right. But Jim never received these items because an investigator contacted FedEx and told them about the situation. They stopped the delivery of the package and held on to it for the investigator to recover. Now, this all sounds really bad, right? Yeah. Like, this is a serious betrayal. But what is the ultimate betrayal in a marriage? Um, I don't know. Uh, there's so much. Okay, well, this jack-off was banging another chick. What? Yeah, he was having an affair. <sighs> yeah, there there they, it is. They found it in emails. Investigators found sexually explicit emails between Jim and a married mother of two from Austin, Texas, who just happened to be an orthodontist. Are you serious? Yep, that Jim and Waffles at gmail.com, man. He did a lot of damage with that email address. A married mother of two mm-hmm. orthodontist. Yes. And guess what her name is? Melissa. I no. Don't know. What no. is it? It's Karen with an I. Oh, uh-huh. okay, good for her. Karen. <laughs> Karen. Emails showed that Jim had purchased this woman a round-trip airline ticket from Austin to Denver from March 8th through the 10th. Angela was admitted to the hospital the first time on the 9th through the 14th. Okay, so I'm assuming what you're leading up to is that he wanted to get her sick so he could go hang out with this other woman? That's probably part Initially? of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That just is weird timing, right? Yeah, it's very So this perfect-sounding husband on these text messages was getting nailed by his mistress while his wife was in the hospital. 
Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. A second flight had been purchased on March 4th for the 16th through the 20th for this mistress to come back into town to oh. see him. According to the emails and page 48 in the arrest affidavit or in the arrest warrant, March 4th was the same date that arsenic had been delivered to the Craig's home address while Angela was in Utah visiting family. We have arsenic that was delivered to the residential home on the 4th while Angela was in Utah visiting her family. And she got sick on the 6th. Right. So when she came back, yeah. then he started the poisoning. Then allegedly yeah. he started poisoning her. Jim must have told the mistress about Angela's failing health because she emailed him on the 16th. Summarizing the email, it was just like, hi, honey, I'm so sorry for what is happening in your world. I'm sorry I'm not there to be with you. It just kind of seems like an awkward time to come and visit and that she's praying for him and seeking God's wisdom for this time. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. This is the mistress? This is the mistress. She's going to pray for him. Yes. And see, mm-hmm. but she knows she's the whore. Oh, right? she's something. No, but I mean, that's the. She's the mistress. She's the mistress. Right. And Who is also married and has two kids. And she's inserting God into this. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Angela's sister was interviewed by police on the 17th. She told investigators that the relationship and marriage had always been tumultuous and strained. Between Jim and Angela. Okay. The multiple affairs, the porn, and that one time he drugged Angela unconscious. Oh, and, and then there's that. And then there's that. Right. It, he kind of mentioned it. They mentioned it in the um, text messaging. Right. So here's that story. Jim confessed to Angela that he had drugged her one, that one time five to six years before because he had planned to go into their bathroom and give himself a lethal injection of some substance and commit suicide. So he had drugged Angela so she wouldn't be able to save him, and it would give the lethal drug time to kill him. Um, okay, well, if that were true, what a crazy, narcissistic, self-centered right. piece of crap he is. Because now he's going to leave six children and a wife and a business and just be like, eh, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm just going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. Is that what he's suggesting? Yeah. That was his excuse for drugging her Oh man, you know, five, so six pissed. years ago. The sister also told the investigators that over the last 16 years, Angela had told her several times that she was going to leave Jim, but he always convinced her to stay. Angela told her recently that Jim had run the dental practice into the ground and that their finances were dire. Now, the next day, Saturday, March 18th, Angela was pronounced brain dead at 429 p.m. Jim Craig was arrested around 2 a.m. on Sunday, March 19th for the death of his wife, Angela. Yeah. According to an article from the Denver Gazette, Angela was taken off of life support on March 21st, and her autopsy was performed on the 22nd. Okay. That's so sad. Such, Such a sad story. Okay, well, it will take a few weeks before the toxicology results will be complete, The prosecutors revealed in a court hearing on April 7th. Okay. So we won't know for a little bit of time. Jim is charged with first-degree murder, and the district attorney is not ruling out the possibility of adding or modifying charges against him. The investigation is still ongoing. 
Producers from Dateline 2020 and 48 Hours were sitting in the courtroom taking notes. I bet. Yes, this is going to get even bigger. Jim is being represented by four defense attorneys at the moment, and his next hearing is May 22nd. Now, this is the statement from the defense team. Dr. Craig is devastated by the loss of his wife. He loves and misses his family and declines to make any statements that fuel the public interest in invading their privacy or sensationalizing their loss. Sorry, dude, you did it to yourself. I think that the defense team is going to lean into Angela having poisoned herself. Now, I would if I was them. Sure. Yeah. But not one person besides Jim ever suggested to anyone that Angela was suicidal. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to sum this all up. In my humble opinion, and with absolutely zero knowledge or medical background, I believe Jim is a sociopath. Jim lives in a movie where he is the main character, and we all just exist as supporting cast. He could not let Angela leave him, not in his movie. So he pretended to be this loving and doting husband, knowing all the right things to say to get Angela to stay, reeling her back in. And we can kind of tell from the text messages. Yeah. The, I love you. I want to make love to you. I miss you. How are you feeling? You need to go to the hospital. This like doting, concerned husband, right? Sure. I'm assuming that Jim met his new mistress just a few months ago. They fell head over heels for each other, and instead of Jim being the bad guy in the eyes of his family, friends, and church community, he decided that he would look better as a widow and not as an adulterer. Yeah, I could agree with that. He then put his plan into action. He created the new email account using the computer in exam room 9, began looking up ways to kill Angela. He ultimately purchased arsenic on Amazon and had it shipped to his home, while also booking Karen an airline ticket to come and visit him in Denver. On March 4th, while Angela was in Utah, the arsenic was delivered to the Craig residence. Jim received another email from Karen about a trip she was planning to Denver on March 16th through the 20th. March 5th, Angela returned home. Jim must have allegedly added the arsenic into Angela's protein drink on the morning of the 6th before she worked out and she fell ill immediately. She went to the emergency room later that day and was released. Later that night, Jim ordered three oleandrin, but these items were intercepted by FedEx. On March 8th, Karen must have flown into Denver for that rendezvous with Jim And I'm sure we'll hear all the down and dirty details of that visit in some sort of primetime special. Yeah. Because I'm sure she's going to come out and have a big interview about it. Jim also ordered potassium cyanide from Midland Scientific. The package arrived at the dental office on March 13th. The package was opened accidentally. And while the office manager was repacking the box, she noticed a metal cylinder with the words potassium cyanide on the receipt label. Never seeing the canister in the office again. Angela was released from the hospital on the 14th. Jim must have allegedly given her the cyanide sometime after returning home, probably in the morning mixed with a protein shake. By 11 a.m. on the 15th, Angela was admitted back into the hospital and was brain dead by the 18th. This was written at the end of the arrest warrant. Based on the totality of the investigation, James has shown the planning and intent to end his wife's life by searching for ways to kill someone undetected, providing her poisons that align with her hospitalized symptoms and working on starting a new life with Karen. 
There is more than enough preliminary evidence sufficient to arrest James Craig with premeditated murder. I feel like he did this and planned out the murder, but he's so dumb. God, he's There's dumb. There's so many ways he he's could so have. so dumb. Actually could have pulled this off. Ugh, yeah. But, but I'll keep everyone updated on this case. It's going to get crazy. I'm expecting there's going to be interviews with the girlfriend and I'm sure with Jim and he'll be sticking to his story that Angela did this to herself. I just hope and pray for the kids and I hope that they're able to see through what their dad is going to tell them. That's awful. I know. And according to people who knew Jim, he was funny, had a great personality and was good with words. All right. So a fun fact Jim did not want hospital staff to conduct an autopsy. He actually said to Angela's sister that he would not allow it. Not understanding why, the sister begged Jim to do an autopsy in case it was something genetic. Jim said that he felt if they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her when she was alive, he wouldn't let them poke her more when she was dead. That's a bullshit answer right there. Uh Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Daniel, what do you think of my case? I know you have to get to work. I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. Um, that That's just bizarre. The whole thing is just bizarre. And how much evidence they were able to gather in such a short amount of time. Just from a basic email trail. What did he think he was going to do? I don't know. Like, I know. What's the point? Well, I guess he's nuts, allegedly. I mean, she wanted to leave him. She tried to get out many times. So it was time. Just let her go. Right? Yeah. And he's cheating on her. So he wants to go, too. Right. So what was the point? Wouldn't that be the easiest way to have all the free time you want? But they were having financial problems. So I wonder if there was some sort of life insurance attached to Angela. Possibly. So I guess it'll all come out soon. It's never enough, though. No. Especially if you have a business like that. And unless you have millions, it's just not going to be enough. Yeah. So my sources for this case were the 52-page arrest warrant. I think I must have read that thing like 100 times. And there was a bunch of articles, especially in the Denver Gazette. They did a really good job so far. And um, Angela's obituary. So um, that's the end of my case. Wow, that was a lot. I know. I'm sorry. There was so much evidence that I needed to get through, especially with those emails and texts. So I hope I didn't bore you all. Did I bore you, Daniel? No, no. It was. I get it. I mean, there's, okay. it helps to paint the picture. So, well, we have some Patreons to thank. All right, we would love to shout out Hannah. Aw, thanks, Hannah. Tammy, Sarah. Thanks, thanks, Tammy. Thanks, Tammy. Camille M. Aw, Camille. And Vanessa I. Thank you, Vanessa. Thanks, Vanessa. I. Aw, thank you guys so (laughs) much for being part of our Patreon. We really, really appreciate you. Yeah, it helps out a lot. It really does. So that's it. Guess that's it. All right. Well, be careful. For marriage is a life sentence. And divorce. God, divorce is always the better option. It's sad, but it's true. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.